Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. To find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, else he will love the one, hate the other, or he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is... And tomorrow is cast into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows knows that you have need of all these things. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient to the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the assurance of our Savior, who gave his life as a ransom for us and was resurrected that we might live eternally. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In 1988, Bobby McFerrin introduced America to a phrase that ingrained itself for quite a while in American pop culture. That song became a number one hit titled... Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, I will not sing it to you either. (laughs) Although I could. I was six years old when that came out. And I remember specifically because at the time we only listened to Christian radio and somehow that song made it to the Christian radio station in Huntsville. I felt a little bit rebellious. But that was okay because my mom turned the radio on. Now, what was it about that simple song that drew millions of people? We like the idea of being free from worry. Worry seems like a small problem. Like a neighbor who comes over constantly and reminds you of your problems. You may have had people before who come over to your house And they think you obviously don't have anything to do. So they sit down and they talk 
And it's not exactly encouraging, but it's about things that, that you just feel worse and worse. And then by the time they leave, you think, boy, I'm glad that's over with. Well, each time worry comes and sits down and, and, and reminds you of these things, again, they may be small, they may be big, but every time she comes, there's a small chain that's wrapped around you if you don't deal with those thoughts. And in time, those chains add up. And you can't break loose. But then, one day, another woman comes. And she's much more alluring, much more attractive. And she has a proposition. She says, if you'll just do what I tell you, I can make sure you don't have to worry about those problems again. I can take all those chains and I'll, I'll remove them. But what you don't know is that the second woman is actually a witch. Her name is Mammon. She offers to give you a small part of yourself in return. Well, then the plan may work for a time and you feel better, but then the worrying one comes back and sits down and starts with the, with the chains again. And then the enchanting woman comes back and the whole cycle repeats itself over and over. And actually, those two women are twins. They work in tandem. Jesus brings them together in this passage because they together work to enslave people, to neutralize people, to keep them from their work, their service in God's kingdom. Because if we're bound with our worries, or if we are bound, if we graduate from that and we're bound by acquiring enough to protect us from our worries, we will not focus on the things that matter most. So at this point, I must deliver some bad news. No matter how much you do, you will never outrun the evil twins of worry and mammon. They will knock at the door. The knock will continue. But our master guides us in these verses to how we can be free from their traps. There's three points that Jesus makes. Each begins in this passage with him saying something about worry. He says, do not worry, or why do you worry? So how do we gain freedom from worry and mammon? The first thing we are called to do, Jesus tells us to observe God's provision for His creatures. Observe God's provision for His creatures. Verses 25 through 30. After contrasting the two kingdoms of God versus mammon in verse 24, which introduces us to the rest of what He's going to say in this chapter, He says in verse 25, Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Now, most of us in this room are not worried about having enough. You could go home right now and you could give away half of your closet 
And there would still be enough for you to put on for a while without washing any clothes. Although I don't advise that. We could empty our refrigerators and our pantries and replenish them again within a couple of days. The average American spends less than 15% of his budget on food, which is one of the lowest percentages in the history of the world. For some, though, in Jesus' day, a famine, a war could mean catastrophe. It could mean the breakup of a family. It could mean going into slavery. It could mean death by starvation. But Jesus is not saying in this passage, look, I realize many of you don't have anything to eat. You, you have empty bellies and you have no clothes to wear. But just think about how much God loves you. And that makes it all better. That's not what he's saying here. The people that were hearing him, they did have, most of them certainly would have an adequate provision for that day. But for us, we are so inundated with every type of food and clothing item. You, you could order something right now and it probably will arrive at your house within two days. But how many people do you know who struggle with worry and anxiety? We have more people in general who are taking medicine. And I'm not saying that this is a, that's a wicked thing. But I'm just saying we have more people who are diagnosed with discouragement, with depression, than we have since we've been keeping statistics on these things. So Jesus is telling us our Heavenly Father does a much better job of providing for us for ourselves than we can do providing for ourselves. We have to be reminded of this. We have to remember this. And then he tells us to do something that seems odd. He says, look at the birds. This is not just saying go outside and glance up at the sky and then say I've done my duty now. But behold them. Think about them meditate on the birds, on their lives. They don't work to grow and store food, but your father feeds them. Then he asked the question, do you have power to add a span to your life? So, so often it's translated a cubit to your stature. So no, you can't make yourself taller. But that goes beyond just your height. It's saying, can you add a day to your life? Can you? I mean, of course we have the power to, to harm ourselves physically, yes, but, but that's not Jesus' point. He's saying, no matter how much you work, you strive, and, and you do, can you do enough to live longer than the time God has appointed you? It won't happen. Are you more important, Jesus said, than these small creatures? And it's not that that's actually something in doubt, hopefully. 
We are not less important. And, and if, our, if our Father in Heaven takes care of all these little animals, is He not going to take care of us? Then He said, look at the flowers. Now, now it's, again, it's translated lilies, but the, the word in Greek refers to something that is wild, that's not grown by, by cultivation and gardening, but, but something like wildflowers. Look at them. They don't work to prepare clothes. They don't strive to make things beautiful. You don't find flowers who are struggling with discouragement because they can't look pretty enough. But he said they are more beautiful than Solomon. In all, and I know many of us say, well, He's a guy, and you know, who really cares about how nice he looks? But that, that, that's not the point. He's saying Solomon was arrayed in glory, in splendor, in majesty, and yet the flowers that God himself raises up have greater splendor from the maker than Solomon did. We have to think. Jesus is telling us, look at these creatures. Look at flowers. Look at the birds. And we could extrapolate from that, look at other animals as well. As, as we heard this morning in the exhortation that, that God delights over us with singing. But here we see that He delights in providing for even the smallest creatures. It's a joy for him to see his creatures cared for. Whether it's the flowers radiating beauty, the birds flying, eating, and nesting over their young, his provision is there and he displays in his provision and his care, he shows a type of love. Now, we know there's over 7 billion people on earth. And if there's 7 billion people on earth, imagine how many more animals there are. Birds, fish, cows, sheep, crickets, and butterflies. And He supplies all of them with enough until it is their time to die. If our Father delights in them, not only delights in them, but delights in providing for them, how much more does He delight in providing for you? So, so this is the, the point here. When we, when we observe God's provision, it's not just that we say, yes, I see the birds get seed, that's great. It's He not only gives you what you need, it is a joy for Him to give you what you need. Imagine a parent who when the child comes and says, I'm really hungry and it's supper time, and the parent grudgingly fixes a sardine sandwich and says, here you go. Don't ask me for anything again until tomorrow. Sometimes that's how we think of our Heavenly Father. That we ask something from Him and that He's really like, mm, I'm not sure if you've, earned an, if you've done enough to earn this, but I'll give you a sardine and bologna sandwich. No, it is a joy 
Just like, think about when you prepare something for your kids and you're excited and you've made it and they're excited about it. You, you know everybody's looking forward to this meal, whatever this meal is. Think of the thing that you enjoy the most, that they enjoy the most, and you get, and they're, looking, they're like, oh, thank you so much for, for giving this. And you say to yourself, actually, I'm, I enjoy it just as much as you do. And so you're all going to be drawn together in fellowship. That's the provision of God the Father for His children. That's his delight. So the first way we, what we observe his provision for his creatures, we remember how God cares for them and how he cares for us much more. But second, and I'm going I'm to skip down a little bit, uh, take this slightly out of order. The second thing we do, we're called to submit to God's Providence. Now, this is in verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Now, a lot of times we get to verse 33, the most famous verse perhaps in the entire book of Matthew. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Everyone focuses on Matthew, and then, sadly, verse 34 is very much overshadowed, understandably so. But Jesus is making an, an additional point in verse 34. And that is that God's providence takes care of so much about tomorrow that we don't even know. So we're called to submit to that. Most of what you worry about happening will take care of itself. Actually, it doesn't take care of itself. God takes care of it. But have you ever thought about all the terrible things that could happen tomorrow based on what's going on right now? Think, if, if business does not pick up, this is going to just be a disaster. Or if, if, if this doesn't happen or that thing doesn't happen, we're ruined. Now, Jesus is not telling the people to turn a blind eye to the future. There's no place in this passage that we're told to not plan, to not prepare. That's a good thing. Planning and preparation is good. But if you think that you can out-scheme God, you're wrong. And actually, that's something to take comfort in. We love the, the, the phrase, uh, in 2016 it became popular, uh, that, that some candidates were playing four-dimensional chess. Not just playing chess on, on the, you know, not just playing chess the normal way, but they're thinking in different dimensions and they can prepare all these moves ahead and then the opponent falls into the traps perfectly. We love thinking we can do this with what happens tomorrow. But Jesus is saying, in fact, don't do that. It doesn't work. There are too many elements outside of our control. Have you ever kept atoms together by your own power. Like the chairs you're sitting in right now, what are you doing to ensure that all those atoms that are somehow moving so fast that it makes something that appears solid that you can sit on, what are you doing to keep that together? Not a thing. But I, you know the one who is keeping it together. 
And he's the one that loves you. And he's the one that's not only, he, not only is he keeping that chair together, he keeps your car together, he keeps your body together, he keeps your life together, he keeps your family together, and he keeps your church together, and he keeps his cosmos together. All because he is a wonderful and kind father. So we can joyfully... Submit to His providence. Tomorrow, we can't figure it out. God has your future in His plan. You don't have to understand now what will happen then. And then the third point that Jesus says in verses 31 through 33, He calls us to remember our Father's care. Remember our Father's care and seek His kingdom. So we first observe His provision, we submit to His providence, and we remember His care. Verses 31 through 33, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things. Jesus says that worry here is actually worrying about temporal items is a Gentile. It's a heathen practice. Now, we all know what we think of as, as heathen practices. We think of people who do, you know, like the old saying, don't smoke, don't chew, don't run with girls that do, or guys that do. So we have our own ideas of what are heathen practices and not. But Jesus here is redefining this. Now for the Jews, that's an even more significant stance because he's saying that the Gentiles, those who are outside, they're the ones who worry. At which point, of course, what do you think some of the people were doing? They're thinking, uh, well, where does that put me? And this is really where he, he starts to tie together the question of worry and mammon. You see, worry is a Gentile practice because living a life fixated on possessions is the path to hell. Anxiety spurs our drive to acquire greater control over the things we worry about. Some attempt to gain control by removing themselves from the object of worry. Maybe through simplifying their lives, through living with less. This is, I'm not saying that, that those who do this are practicing this religion, but you can call this the Buddhism option. Because in Buddhism, you want to totally remove yourself from any desire for things. But when we are so worried that, that's, that we might desire something, and so we want to remove ourselves from it, we really, you know, it's like, you know, if we could only live like they did back in 1740, then President whoever could not touch me. I would be so off the grid, the people off the grid would wish that they could be me. Now, I'm not 
not, look, I'm not saying, I'm not condemning a chosen lifestyle, okay? Not that one at least. I'll condemn some, some lifestyles, but I won't, I won't condemn that one. That, that, that's okay, provided you're not doing it with a, still with a fixation on stuff, on a fear of stuff. Like, I can't let anything possibly get to me. Because still, you have to look to the Lord for your provision. But others, the much more common pursuit is, is to try to pursue control by chasing money and power. Once we acquire then a little bit of control offered to us by that lovely enchantress mammon, we discover that it's not enough. That there's still worries, there's still anxiety, there's still fears. So now I've got to do more. So we need to pursue greater control, greater wealth. And we go further and further. We live, brothers and sisters, in a place where many view technology itself as our protection. And look, it, it can be. There's a lot of benefits that come with that. It can be a great thing. But putting your trust in any type of wealth or trying to keep yourself because you're afraid, there's the fear part, you're afraid of wealth still, all of that is, is just a different way of building the Tower of Babel. We're seeking deliverance through our own works, through our own abilities. We're striving to get somewhere apart from God through our own works. People who fall to the chains of worry and the lure of mammon have forgotten something important. They see themselves as supplying their needs when it is God who supplies our needs. You know, all of your work that you do, everything that you do that brings home something, every, every time you, you work to cook, every time you work to whatever it is, whatever you do, your work is empowered by the Father in, in heaven. The income you bring is actually not a gift from your job. It's a gift from the Father by way of your job. When you remember your father's care, it frees you to prioritize the work of his kingdom. You can do this whether you work for a defense contractor, whether you own one, two, three, four, or five businesses, or whether you have a farm. We're free because the gospel, we have been freed to serve the Almighty. So in, in ancient times, could a man be a Roman soldier and serve God's kingdom? Yes, he could. John the Baptist said that. Could you be a fisherman like many of the apostles? Of course. Could you even be a tax collector? Yes, provided you didn't cheat anyone. As long as you are faithful to the vocations God has called you to in your home, as a spouse, as a parent, as a brother or a sister... 
in your, your, your daily life in society as a citizen, as a servant in God's church. As long as you are faithful to your calling and you obey what God's Word says, you are free to do whatever you desire provided you're seeking God's kingdom. That's good news. Knowing that our Father owns the cattle on a thousand hills frees us to share with all that we have received. Christians should be the most generous, gracious, noble, big-hearted people in the world. So if those who are Gentiles are seeking the kingdoms of man, the Christians should seek the kingdoms of God. And also, by seeking the kingdoms of God, we're not looking to how can I make sure that I do that, that, that I show kindness to people, but also make sure that I have X, Y, and Z, because I, I, I'm afraid of letting go of too much. Read the book of Acts and tell me the times people were worried about having enough. It's not there. At times, the Lord grants us leanness. That's true. And so seeking God's kingdom first during those times will not look the same as when we have times of abundance. But in God's infinite economy, when you give abundantly, He in turn will grant abundantly. As we learn to freely give, we are freed from worrying about our own provision. So when your heart is towards building the kingdom, other things may fall away, but the most important things will remain. In conclusion, when it comes to defeating worry and the lure of mammon, saying, don't worry, be happy, won't cut it. Our freedom from these temptations must be grounded in the confidence that Jesus has remade our world and that we can trust our Heavenly Father. Only when we are free from these despicable twins can we enjoy the blessings that come from living in God's good world. Let us pray. Father, we thank you now for your provision and may we receive as well as give with noble hearts. Through Christ we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.